everybody, and welcome to episode 336 of the Ask the Coach show, where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, I'm joined by Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Thank you, Jeffrey. And uh, what are we up to? 336? Yes, we certainly are. It's yeah. another week's gone. By the week, seem to be going really fast. Yeah, they do, don't they? Uh, yeah, we uh, we tend to do this on the same day every week, and uh, yeah, they just uh, they just creep around pretty quickly. They do, they yeah. do. But how time flies when you're having fun in lockdown. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> just so much fun. <laughs> now, um, Alois, I um, I liked maths class, but you know, I didn't really like ancient history class. Why you know, is that? Well, well, the teacher tended just to babble on. Oh, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. So how have another, you been this week? You've got another week to uh, come up with something better than that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 pretty good. But, you know, it's it's springtime in um, Melbourne. Yes. And, yeah, whereas the, you know, the, the weather's beautiful, but hay fever starts. Oh no! So, yeah, so uh, yeah, been. It sounded battling... a bit like you got a bit of hay fever there. Yes, a little bit of hay fever, but uh, yeah, battling through that. But anyway, enjoying the little bit warmer weather that we're getting and the and the sunshine. Just yeah. uh, I have to look at it from inside. That's all. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Well, Alice, I want to know what happened on this day. On this day, well, it wasn't exactly on this day, but the okay. 20th of September, 1968, was, is the birthday of Chen Jing. Now, Chen Jing, a very interesting player. She um, she actually represented two countries. So started mm-hmm. by representing China and then um, in her latter years represented Chinese Taipei. So for China, she actually won a gold medal um at the Olympic Games in 1988 in Seoul. Wow! So uh, yeah, so the first the first Olympic gold medalist was Chen Jing. Uh, also won a silver medal in the doubles in Seoul, and won the World Teams Championships in '87. So I remember watching her play in 1987 in New Delhi at the World Championships there, and uh, another gold medal in the teams in in Dortmund in '89. Uh, um, but then transferred over and played for Chinese Taipei and won a silver medal in Atlanta in the singles mm-hmm. and a bronze medal in Sydney in uh, in the singles. So a really long um, and decorated career, you know, from, from winning a gold in 88 to a silver in 96 and a bronze in 2000. So she's got the full set of singles Olympic medals just uh, just for two different countries. Amazing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, an interesting interesting life uh, definitely for Chen Jing. Uh, a good left-hander. We love those left-handers, Jeff. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and any controversy with her switching, you know, to Chinese Taipei? Yeah, I reckon there would have been. There always, always is when that sort of stuff happens. Yeah, so she defected to, to Chinese Taipei. After failing, uh, after she didn't make the national team in 1990, um, so uh, and then yeah, she so. came out and was just still so good and yep, 
must yeah. have beaten a few Chinese players along the way, I'd suggest. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I think had something to prove. And uh, and I remember her being such a such a great player in uh, in even in '87 when I saw her in um, in New Delhi. Mm. There you go. Very very interesting. Yeah. So there you go. Um, and I think in that in that. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what where she got to in the singles in New Delhi, but yeah, won the won the teams event. There you go. Hmm. So Excellent. Chen Jing, yeah. So she was born in eighty uh, sixty eight. Sorry, so that makes her fifty two years old. Wow, there you go. So, so not bad, yeah. not bad. There you go, Chen Jing. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, indeed. Ah, there you go. All right, now, Alice, do you have a tip of the week for us? Well, I do. And this week's tip of the week is about playing against funny rubber. Now, a lot of players, you know, they they come to us and they say, oh, you know, that funny rubber, it's stupid. I hate it. Um, it's, um, you know, it's junk. It should be banned. Well, the facts of the matter are that, that it's a, it's a legal rubber and you are allowed to use it. So I think, you know, just firstly, just changing your attitude to it will really help. Um, and then secondly, try to get out there and find as many people as you can with, uh, you know, all sorts of funny rubber, the anti-spin and long pimples and short pimples, and try to play as much as you possibly can against them because that's the best way to understand what's going on and to be able to adjust and uh, and learn uh, the the different ball that's coming and and basically all it is is if you always played against funny rubber then that would become normal to you mm. it's it's just that we play against uh inverted rubber all the time so that when you then play against long pimples or anti spin or whatever it is there's a different reaction or a different ball that comes back to you that is a bit counterintuitive to to what you're expecting and that's where the problems lie so so really, it's just about you know play against it as much as you can, and then it just becomes normal, and uh, and you react pretty naturally to the ball that comes back off the off the funny rubber. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Um, so, but if not many people use it, it can be hard sometimes to find people to play against to practice that, though. Yeah, that's right. It is, but. Um, you know, if you're if you're playing against it and you're and you're upset about it, then it's worth uh, just really trying to find find that person. And you know, maybe the person that you lose to, just ask them if they want to have a practice or just have a have it hit uh, against uh, against you. Yeah, um, good idea. The other the other thing you can do is just buy a spare bat, put some funny rubber on it, and um, you know, get your training partner to just use it for a little while, and you might might be able to even just swap over. Um, just so that both you and your training partner get op- uh, an opportunity to play against it and, and learn. Uh, I like that idea because it's a bit of fun using it as well. And I imagine you might pick up a few things just by using it yourself about how it works. It might help you when you play against it. Yeah, I think it does. It really it helps you to just understand what's possible with it and, uh, and also the limitations with it as well. So, um, yeah, by playing with it. Yeah. Put yourself put yourself in their shoes. Good idea. All right. Great tip of the week. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe a little extravagant, but if you can, yeah, get a spare back, get some rubber and uh, have a go with it yourself and then with your training partner. Yeah. And, and usually it's not an 
expensive exercise because often you know you can get a, a sheet of long pimple rubber pretty cheap nowadays you know yeah. even if it's just the 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 rubber without any sponge and that'll give you a really good feel for um, how to play against it yeah or if you want some anti-spin rubber just use one of your old rubbers that it's worn out <laughs> exactly put it put it in the microwave for a while <laughs> does that really work oh, i don't know <laughs> maybe, maybe just maybe just the conventional oven might might be the best. Yes, yeah, maybe, or just leave it out in the sun. Yes, that will do it. <laughs> yeah, very good. Now, Alois, um, we did release a video on the weekend. It was um, about weight transfer. We talked about this in the podcast, and then you filmed a video of it in because we're still in. A lockdown here, but you filmed a video of it. We put it up, and we had some an interesting comment. Yes, yeah, we had a couple of interesting comments of the week. In fact, yes, and the the comments of the week was uh, was yes, thanks. But who's your partner this time? The better half of the table tennis table, perhaps. So uh, yeah, well, actually, it was, and uh, it was the wall. The wall was my partner this time, and I was doing the uh, video of the the weight transfer. So and if you haven't seen it, jump onto the Ping Seals website and and take a look at the weight transfer video. Yeah, indeed. And uh, get on and someone, quickly; it'll be on the homepage. Yeah, and someone said, you know, Jeff's not in this video. And yes, unfortunately, Jeff and I live more than five kilometres apart, so we can't. Um, we can't. You can't. Well, Jeff can't travel that far to uh, to do anything. Basically, he's got to stay within five k's of his place. Yes. So, <clears throat> yeah. Indeed. So, Although the numbers are coming down fast. Who knows what's going to happen? Hopefully soon restrictions will be eased, but you just never know. Indeed. But while you're, while you're in lockdown, go go to pingskills.com. Just get plenty of uh, airtime on there. Learn as much as you can. And then uh, when you get out there and unleash your skills, they'll say, what on earth have you been doing in lockdown? <laughs> exactly. Uh, it'll be great. All right. You know what it's time for? It's time for the questions. Oh, yes. And That's got... why this show's called the Ask the Coach show, is it? <laughs> it, it exactly. Excellent. What a great original creative name. Yeah. It's not called the Joke of the Week show. <laughs> should be. Yeah. You know what we should do, Alois? Yes. Is just yeah. release like a, a second podcast that is just that, just just the jokes. That would be popular. Yeah, I reckon you should do that by yourself, perhaps. <laughs> uh, but it's so much better with your laughter after I joke, after I tell the joke, you know, for that atmosphere. Yeah, I reckon you're probably getting about the same reaction if I wasn't there. <laughs> oh, dear. Maybe you could, you could uh, you know, get some canned laughter and, and stick it in there and, yeah. Yes, maybe. But I don't need that stuff. No. No, just you just get a need... live audience. Tell the joke. There you go. Well, sort of live. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm, yeah. Yes. Anyway, the yes, first yes. question is from from Ardak, and he says, "Hi, coach. Sometimes my opponents return pushes with less backspin to confuse me, and he he can't always pick that there's less backspin. So when he returns them or tries to top spin against them, he makes some mistakes." Um, so do you have any tips for Ardak on how to, you know, deal with this situation? Yeah. So there's, there's two parts to this. So the first thing is 
um, how do you recognize the amount of spin on the pushes? And then the second thing is how to deal with it or how to, how to play the stroke. So, so the first thing is to recognize the amount of spin on the ball. You need to watch really carefully the contact of the ball. Yeah, uh, when they're mm-hmm. when they're contacting that push. So if they slide underneath the ball and brush it really finely, then they're generating more spin. If they if their bat comes uh, flatter through the ball, um, then there's less spin. And often that can be a very subtle difference. You can also um, get a bit of a feel for it by the sound that the ball makes. So mm-hmm. the 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 um, the sound from a, a flatter contact will tend to be a bit harder or a bit louder. The the brushing contact will tend to be a little bit softer. Um, another clue is just the way that the ball flies. So the the spinning ball will tend to spear through the air a little bit more. The, the no-spin ball will tend to float through the air a bit more. So, um, but mm. they're all they're all okay to think about and to you know, use words, but you really just need to get out there and find a, a partner to just start to vary that those uh, push spins to you and just so that you can see and feel what the difference is when they play with the heavy backspin and the, and the less spin. Um, I think the other thing to think about is often people think of it like an on-off switch. So either there is backspin or there isn't backspin. In fact, it's it's the full spectrum. It's a full spectrum of uh, amounts of spin. So there can be a lot of spin, or a little bit less, a little bit less, a little bit less, until you get to you know no spin. So you know there's there's thousands of different um, uh, variations in there that you need to be able to deal with. So so I, I guess that's what makes it really interesting, but also really difficult. Uh, to understand the, the the amount of spin that's on the ball. Yeah, and you've got me thinking with that tip of the week, um, not that it's like the answer for everything, but again, you know, maybe just even practicing yourself trying to do a heavier push and then a no-spin push or, like you said, a push with a little less backspin. Maybe the more you do that and the more you get to um, notice how you can generate more backspin or less backspin might help you as well. Yeah, I think that's that's really good, and I, I like the way you're tying this show together, Jeff. I, yeah, <laughs> good work, good work. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so then, yeah, the second part, Ardak, um, is then how do you or what type of stroke do you play? So if there's less backspin on the ball, you need to think about brushing over the top of the ball, and and your stroke needs to move more forward so that you're not lifting the ball. Um, because there's less backspin. If there's more backspin, then you need to think about lifting the ball um, with a more vertical type of stroke uh, to 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 counteract the backspin and lift the ball up and over the net. So um, so that's that's the basic principle that you can start with. Um, and as I said, you know it's not it's definitely not easy, and it's something that you need to just immerse yourself and just uh, practice and have a go at. Um, reading the amount of spin and reacting to the amount of spin. And then eventually, eventually, eventually it becomes natural, but it, it, it is a process. And, um, and sometimes it can be a a frustrating process, but it's one that you need to go through and just uh, put yourself in. Yeah. And I think Artak mentioned that, you know, when he top spins the ball with less backspin, he often just hits it off the end, which is what you're saying about going a bit more forward 
And I guess that's the most common um, problem people have, isn't it? So if you're doing that too often, then that's when you need to use that more forward motion that you're talking about. Yeah. And once, yeah, yeah, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, I think it, the, the other really important part there that we, that you just said is that you need to watch what happens. So mm. if you see that ball go off the end of the table, you have to um, uh, recognize it or, um, or just allow yourself to see that that's actually happening. If you just get annoyed at yourself for lifting the ball off the end of the table, you're not really taking in what's happened. So, so then your brain doesn't have that opportunity to to process uh, that information and adjust next time. Yeah, so make a mental note of it, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and and adjust. And really, like, in theory, with less backspin, it should almost be a little bit of an easier stroke if you've picked up the fact that there's no backspin on it and then, yeah, can play a, a, an appropriate loop against That's it. That's right. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. All right. Great question, Artek, and hopefully, hopefully that helped you out. Uh, next up is a question from Di, and I like this one. He says, can you give me some irregular drills and regular and free play drills? Well, we, what are all these things, Alloy? Yeah, right. Yeah. So, Di, um, so drills are basically uh, just routines that you can do during your practice session. So a regular drill is where you know where the ball is coming. So um, regular meaning that uh, the ball's coming in the regular positions. You know, for example, um, I might get Jeff to block to me and play one to my backhand side, one to my forehand side, and just keep alternating. So I know each time where the ball's coming and um, I'm able to just almost automatically move to those positions and play my strokes. The irregular drills... Uh, where you don't know where the ball's coming. So um, so I might say to Jeff, I want you to block the ball, but you can block the ball anywhere onto my side. So that now becomes irregular because um, uh, I don't know where the ball's coming. Um, and I need to be, firstly uh, make a decision, react and play uh, play that next shot. So uh, yeah, so that's the that's the major difference between those type of drills. So um, when yeah. would you when would you use one as opposed to the other? Yeah. So the regular drill you, you'd use um, initially if you're um, if you're starting out and learning um, a particular skill. So you could start uh, for a short amount of time with a very regular drill, but then you need to move on and start to think about. Uh, utilizing some irregular drills so that you're making the drill a little bit more game-like. So you're basically making um, a decision before you hit the next ball. Mm, interesting. And we actually did a series kind of that incorporated some of this called the building blocks of table tennis, Al, that kind of showed you know what you should go through, like learning the basic strokes, then learning to link strokes together, and then doing this randomization, as we called it there, which is kind of like those irregular drills. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And um, and I guess the other thing that will help you is that we've got a free download of a whole heap of drills um, that you can download and print out for yourself, um, both regular and irregular drills. And that's in, if you go to pingskills.com um, and down at the bottom of the page, the right at the bottom, there's a free downloads um, link. If you go into there, you'll find the uh, the training drills download that you'll be able to uh 
get for yourself and print out and utilize. Awesome. And and if you are a premium member, Alois, then we also have like a training secrets um, series that relates to those drills where we kind of go through all of those drills, show you how to use them. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think that's a really good little section there, that training secrets. Um, but yeah, so if you're a premium member, check it out. If you're not, consider signing up for a premium membership. Yeah, but uh, but either way, go to go to pingskills.com. So uh, a lot of you probably go to our YouTube channel and um, check out all the videos on there, uh, which is great. But I think um, the next step is to go to pingskills.com where you will be able to see all of those um, videos in an ordered manner. Um, and as Jeff said, you know, there's a section on um, training um secrets there's serving secrets and receiving secrets so in those areas you you've got a whole heap of uh information um in the one spot about a topic so yeah uh, exactly and and of course there's the ask the coach section where you can ask a question or you can comment on it on a video so definitely the place to check out and who wouldn't want to go to the ask the coach section exactly (laughs) exactly all right. Um, yeah, so hopefully those drills help you out, Di, and good to see you thinking about that and trying to improve your game. So uh, well done on that. Um, next up is a question from Jason. He says, I struggle winning when it's 10 all. It's too much pressure and I just don't know how to win. Uh, do you have any ideas to help me? Well, I think the first really important thing to note is that um, – Everyone feels exactly like, well, very similar to you. At It may be to different degrees, but no one really loves the fact that it gets to 10 all. You know, everyone would love to win that point at 10-9 and, and, and win 11-9 and be shaking hands. Um, but, yeah, so when it gets to 10 all, there is a bit more perceived pressure in your head about uh, about the situation. I guess... The first thing is to understand that every point's a point. You know, you need to uh, try to treat each point as it comes. So that uh, involves just making sure that you're able to um, control yourself emotionally, I guess, um, is the is the first thing. So you'll notice that if, that if the score gets to 10 all or closer, what happens to your body in that situation? You know, you might start to get some butterflies in your stomach. You might start to um, shake a little bit. You know, you might, um, your legs might stop moving. Your breathing might become a bit heavier. Your heart rate might go up. So all of those things will start to happen to your body. And what uh, you need to start to think about is firstly, what is happening there? And then you've got the opportunity to start to think about some techniques to how to manage that and how to keep yourself uh, calmer in that situation so that you can just play that point like it is another point. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, as you mentioned in the answer to this question, Alice, we do have a section on sports psychology that'll help you get some ideas initially. Um but even if you're not like you don't feel like you need to take some sports psychology, a lot of the time I think players when it gets to ten all they kind of think, oh no, and I think there's like your first mistake. You should be just if you're saying that, just pick yourself up and go, 
no, I've still got to play. Let's just get on with it. Let's just play this next point like we know we can. Just even a small change in your attitude can can be a good start into that sort of changing your psychology. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a good point. And um, and you know, just I guess it it all stems from you know what you're actually doing out there. If you if you're completely focused and the only thing that you that you want to happen is to win the match, then suddenly that becomes um, an important situation. But if you go out there um, thinking about playing each point, thinking about trying to learn, thinking about trying to improve, um, then, uh, yeah, each point is, you know, becomes more of the same. So, uh, yeah, so just, I guess, also think about, you know, what you're doing out there and what your um, what your real purpose is. And, and I think uh, in last week's show, we did talk to you about you know having having a think about what really motivates you and why um why yeah. you're um what drives you to play and improve as well so um yeah if it's only about the ego and about you know winning matches um then you know then that pressure does tend to build a little bit more on you yeah, interesting. And and this sports psychology topic, it's so large, isn't it? I mean, once you sort of start digging, you can just keep going forever. Um, yeah, but like I said, you can just take some simple steps. And I wonder, like, how much does, yeah, does your attitude um, play into that? Yeah, if you just have a, yeah, think, you know, what? because you said before, Alice, that a lot of players don't like it when he gets to ten all. What if you did just sort of try and convince yourself that, oh, I do like it when it's when it's close, and I play my best table tennis when it's ten all. I wonder how much you you know you can um, change just with your thought process. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, and, and some and some players enjoy it more than others. Um, you know, some players uh, get completely seized up. Uh, when the when the game gets tight, yeah. So that's a lot about, you know, the the ego not wanting to to lose. Um, yeah, just try to think a little bit more about just improving yourself and not uh, not thinking about the the overall result too much. Yeah, and I think that can change over time too. Like I think, um, yeah, um, like when I was really younger, I used to not get nervous at all. But then when I got a bit older, I tended to get more nervous. So. Yeah, it can change over time too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I guess that 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 comes down to some expectations, you know, as well. So, um, you know, as a young player, you you probably felt a little bit freer because there weren't any uh, real expectations on you. Yeah. Um, as as you get older, maybe you know you, either yourself or or other people start to you know tell you how good you are, um, and and that also then builds that expectation in your own mind. Yeah, true. Interesting question, Jason. Thanks for bringing it up. Um, yeah, so hopefully those tips helped you out as well. All right, next up is a question from Nancy, and she says, I'm wondering about paddle maintenance. Do you use any special cleaner, and is it true you should replace the rubbers twice a year, and do you have any other tips? Yeah, good uh, good question, Nancy. So um, the first Thing is as far as cleaning the the rubber um, I tend to just use water um, you can use a very weak um, detergent type solution just to get a little bit of the grime out of the rubber or um, you know very a, a weak alcohol base 
type solution. Um, there are, you know, specialised rubber cleaners and rubber foams and all that sort sort of thing. Um, I tend to steer away from them because they they're quite expensive and they don't really um, give you a whole lot of extra. So you know, um, for me, make sure you just just that you're cleaning your rubber regularly and just wipe it with a very soft cloth or a soft sponge. Um, definitely don't want anything too abrasive mm. uh, when you're rubbing uh, the rubber because that will um, will wear the rubber out a little bit quicker. So, um, yeah, just a soft sponge, um, a damp sponge uh, is what uh, uh, I tend to use and just keep the, keep the rubber clean. So the things that really affect the rubber is, is dirt um, or dust, um, and the other big one, we mentioned this a little bit earlier as well, is yeah. sunlight. So if you put your bat out in the sun or direct heat, it, it will very, very quickly fry that rubber and uh, and the integrity of the rubber um, is really broken down. So, um, so make sure that you keep your bat um, in a cool and, uh, and dry uh, place away from direct sunlight. Um, yeah, I see, you know, some people put their, put their rubber on the dashboard of the car. That is a sure way to, uh, to kill that rubber. And, and I, and I don't even mean in a week or a month, like in a car trip, um, that rubber can be completely, uh, um, uh, destroyed. So, uh, yeah, so just make sure you, you either have a, a bat cover, um, or just, you know, make sure if you put it in your bag, um, keep it protected in your bag and away from that sun and dirt. That is a good tip. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, and should you change the rubbers twice a year? Yeah. So uh, that depends on, um, how often you play. If you only play once a month, then, uh, that rubber is going to last you a very long time. We so it doesn't say, really wear out just by sitting in your bat cover if it's out of that direct heat and stuff, like you said. No, no, absolutely not. So if you put your uh, bat in a dark cupboard um, and covered it up, you know, 10 years later you could get it out and it's probably exactly the same. So, um, so it's not about that. It's about how many balls you're hitting with it. And we tend to as a guide, you know, between 80 and a hundred hours of play, um, is a bit of a guide, but I mean, that, it, that also varies a lot depending on the type of strokes you're playing. If you're playing a really strong top spin type game, that's quite abrasive on the rubber because the, the friction of the ball on the, on the rubber is, is quite harsh where if you're playing a more controlled game, then, uh, that friction isn't, isn't so much. So your rubber tends to last a bit longer. Um, a good test is to just rub your finger across the, the surface of the rubber and just see whether there's some grip on it. If there's, if, if it grips your, your finger, um, then th that uh, tends to mean that uh, you're going to have some reasonable grip on the ball as well. So, um, so mm. that's a, that's a good, simple little yeah, test. That, that is do. a good test. And so basically what you're saying is if you play like two hours a week, then you're probably going to last like a year Whereas if you're training like 20 hours a week, then maybe like five weeks, it's going to yeah. last. Yeah, exactly. Now, it's interesting what you say about that ball. It's amazing that that little plastic ball can cause so much damage to the rubber. And that's what wears it out. Yeah. So if you if you look, you know, if you, if you play some heavy top spins and then look at your rubber, you'll see that there's some little, um, or you'll see the, the ball mark on the rubber. And that, you know, over time is just... Uh, 
gradually wearing away the rubber and uh, and and uh, and the integrity of the surface. Yeah. Now uh, the other thing about this question, Al, it was called paddle maintenance. I've heard a few people when we've said bat, they're like, it's not a bat, it's a paddle. So is it a bat or a paddle? Well, is it or is it a racket? So um, the the actual official ITTF international term is a racket. Wow! Um, and how do you spell that? Uh, that's a very good question. I'm not sure whether it's with a K or with a CQ. So <laughs> the, the, the uh, or a QU. Sorry. Um, so I think um, you know it's it's just really about. Uh, what you like to call it. Um, I think in the US, a lot of players call it paddle. Um, in Australia or in Europe, they don't tend to call it uh, paddle so much. It's either a bat or a racket. But, you know, as long as you know what you're talking about and everyone else will know what they're, what you're talking about as well. Indeed, yeah. Yeah, I've just always called it a bat. Yeah. Sometimes racket, hardly ever paddle. Yeah, and I tend to always call it a bat as well. But, uh, yeah, I've... I'm starting to uh, to change my terminology just because I've been yeah been uh, reading you know in my in my spare time just reading the rules of table tennis which is which is always lots of fun. It's a racket. Racket, yeah. Okay, there you go. All right, thanks for the question, Nancy. And um, here's another question from Jason who says, "When I watch table tennis, I see a lot of table tennis players grunting during the impact." of the ball is like Dmitry Ovcharov. Um, he grunts like, ooh, ah. He goes, he, Jason says he's heard it makes your, your stroke a bit more powerful and gives you a breathing pattern. Is that true? Yeah, well, yeah, there is some, some truth to it, Jason. Um, so players often will tell you that it just helps with their timing um, of the ball. Um, and also, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, in... In a sport like uh, tennis, for example, you know, sometimes you can just get a little bit extra power out of your body when you're, when you're making or exhaling, exhaling um, that way. Um, to me, I don't think it's really necessary during, during a point or a rally, and I think it just detracts a bit from, um, from play. And I think it, it also um, tends to... Uh, disguise the the contact sound um, for uh, for your opponent. I mean, at a world championship or you know Olympics, it doesn't matter because it's hard to hear anyway because of the crowd. But um, in your local league, um, it probably does make a difference when if someone's grunting, and especially if it's in a in a quiet hall and they're grunting every shot. Um, I think it uh, it tends to uh, upset the rest of the the crowd as well. Um, but but I think, and and this is a bit controversial. I don't mind the celebration after the point, um, because I think uh, you know that uh, that tends to add to the atmosphere of uh, of the of the game. Mm, interesting, interesting. Now I think it's it's more common in tennis this grunting. I feel, isn't it? And um, sometimes they like grunt even when the balls like reach the other side of the court, um, and that does really seem like it's too much. I don't think it's it doesn't seem to be a huge problem in table tennis. I don't feel. No, no. There's not a lot of players that that, that grunt too much during during the rally. So uh, I think we're we're pretty safe there. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Thanks for um, bringing that discussion up, Jason. Very interesting. 
All right. Well, that's the end of the questions. Yes, so that... and now it is. OMG. OMG. Oh. No, it's not just OMG, Jeff. It's OMG Facts. It is. OMG, OMG facts. facts. And my first one here, Al, is yep. there are over 60,000 acres of shopping malls in the US. 60,000. 60,000 acres. That's a lot. Yeah, I tend to believe that though. That's that's not a bad one. Mm, that's yeah. that sixty acres, sixty thousand acres. Wow, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah, it is a lot it's of shops, shopping malls, a lot of shops. Yeah, it's a lot of bored husbands <laughs> following people around. I tell you, husbands don't shop. Oh, that's <laughs> much. Um, the first lawnmower. Was an adapted carpet cutting machine. Carpet cutting? <laughs> yep. Wow. Fact. There you go. OMG. OMG fact. Um, McDonald's is actually the world's largest toy distributor. No. Fact. OMG fact. No. Toy distributor. No. Yes. That's how many people eat Happy Meals. No, that's disappointing. <laughs> that's a disappointing fact. Uh, yeah. Um, really? Yeah, apparently. Now, this isn't going to apply to our American listeners, but here in Australia, Hungry Jack's is actually Burger King in the US. I think Burger King came to Australia, but some other place had already trademarked Burger King. So they went with Hungry Jack's. So if you want a Whopper in Australia, you've got to go to Hungry Jack's. But Hungry Jack's now, because they're called Hungry Jack's, they've just brought out a burger called the Big Jack, they which have. looks exactly like a Big Mac. And they're getting and sued. That's probably not a big surprise. Yeah. and But then in counter to their getting sued, they've brought out ads saying some company is trying to sue us thinking that our burger looks like some American burger, but it's clearly not the same because we've got 25% more meat. <laughs> yeah, they've uh, they've really um, cashed in on it, haven't they? Yes, yes. All right, I've got two more okay, to wrap excellent. up. Excellent. The blood in the famous shower scene in Hitchcock's Psycho was, in fact, Hershey's chocolate syrup. Really? Yum. Not at all. Yeah. But, but chocolate, isn't it isn't it the wrong colour? You would think so. But was it black and white? Oh, was it? Was I it a black know. and white movie? I'm just thinking OMG fact, it can't be wrong, so Yeah, well it must it's, be. It's obviously not wrong, but <laughs> obviously not. And um this this is kind of I don't know if I should tell people this, but this is the OMG calendar. So I'm just going through the calendar. So I'm taking random calendar dates. So this is actually a little bit old. This one here is from Friday, June the 26th. This should have been on this day, really. But right. today being a while back, Friday, June, 26, June 26th, yeah. was the 23rd anniversary of the first Harry Potter book being published. And only 500 copies were printed. How many? 23rd anniversary? 23rd anniversary, yes. Not of the first Harry Potter book. 
Really? 1997? And hmm. only 500 copies were printed. Wow. That's like the that's like a real underestimate of how many <laughs> that book was going to sell. <laughs> they yeah, weren't they... overly confident, were they? No, no. But, you know, it's always a nice surprise when you sell those 500 and then have to <laughs> go and print some more. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there you go. That's yeah, some good facts there, Jeff. Oh, absolutely. OMG. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I, I, I think the McDonald's being the largest toy distributor is the one that uh, stands out for me. That's, mm -hmm. that's a good one. There good you one. go. Good work, Jeff. Thank you. Well, it's really thank you to OMG Facts, but <laughs> I just read them out. <laughs> but, you know, it's like the jokes. It's all in the delivery. That's correct, and that's why yours aren't that funny. <laughs> Yeah. Oh dear. Alrighty. Well, that is a wrap. Thank you everyone for listening. Make sure you check out pinkskills.com. And of course, thank you, Alloys. Thank you, Jeff. And uh, everyone out there, stay safe, stay well. And uh, hopefully soon you're getting a chance to play some more ping pong. Let's hope. See you, everyone.